0: You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. The NFL season is about to begin and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network, August 30th through September 8th. It's the Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview, and it's taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's lineup of NFL experts. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts to tune in beginning August 30th. Today is Monday, August 23rd, and we are now 78. Days away from the start of college basketball season. Saturday's stat, if you guys listen to Saturday's show for the number 80, boy, was that stat extremely random. And today's, it's going to be right up there with that one. You got to dig deep for some of these stats to keep them entertaining. I think it's better than me just saying, hey, 78, that's the number of threes that Corey Kispert hit in his junior season and the number of threes that Kevin Pangos hit in his sophomore season. That is true. And it is interesting, but you guys come to this podcast for something way more invigorating than that. So here we go. The number 78 is the winning percentage that Gonzaga has all time against the University of San Diego. They are 77-21 and 21 in the history of the universe against the San Diego Toreros, which means their next win against the Toreros will also be number 78. Out of the 98 games, that these two teams have ever played. Gonzaga has scored 78 points three times. San Diego has scored 78 points just once. So there you have it. Just remember when you're watching Gonzaga-San Diego next season that a Gonzaga win will be their 78th in that matchup's history, which is the second most against any Gonzaga opponent behind Portland. All right, how random can I possibly get? Find out tomorrow when we talk about number 77. Today on the show, we're looking back on the 2015 Gonzaga Bulldogs, the team who finally broke back into the Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. Kevin Pangos, Gary Bell, they're seniors now, DeMonta Sabonis enters the fold, and Kyle Wilchers coming off of his redshirt season. It's arguably the third best Gonzaga team of all time. We'll break all of that down and their season today on the show. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Nolan Hickman who is one of three Gonzaga players who played in the crossover Pro-Am event in Seattle this past weekend. And that is where we start today's show with some news and notes. And we begin with that crossover event because Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, and Chet Holmgren all played uh, in the crossover event, the Jamal Crawford-led league over in Seattle. And Chet Holmgren had 35 points and 17 rebounds in their game that they played. Hunter Salas had 25 points and 11 rebounds, and Nolan Hickman had 20 points, 10 assists, and 8 rebounds. You could take some of those numbers with a grain of salt considering there isn't a ton of defense played at these events, but still a wildly impressive showing um, from these three players. And if you look, there's some videos online of all three of them. Uh, the best ones, I think, came from Trevor Bond, former Gonzaga student. And if you go to his Twitter page, it's Bond, Trevor, Bond, just like James Bond kind of thing. Bond, Trevor, Bond. And he's got a compilation uh, of all three guys and some highlights from the event. And Chet Holmgren is a seven foot one guy who is hitting turnaround fadeaway jumpers from 18 feet like he's Kevin Durant. And if he is going to hit those consistently, he is completely unguardable. And it is going to be fascinating to watch what Gonzaga can do with him on the offensive end. Hunter Salas showed off his uh, athleticism, which we've known. Uh, He's bouncy as heck. And it's fun to see him attack the rim with that athleticism. I think he could be an elite level slasher for gonzaga and then nolan hickman i mean he showed off a little bit of everything he showed off of his vision he showed off his ball handling skills he showed off a little bit of a jump shot uh really impressive showing even if it's you know an exhibition event with without a ton of defense being played still fun to see those three guys in action two other things i want to talk about here in the news and notes and one is the gonzaga women's soccer team i told you guys last week when we were previewing their season this team is absolutely legit and just like I did with the Gonzaga baseball team back in April, I am telling you guys early on to hop on this train. These girls are for real. They went to Georgia and they beat the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens, three to one, on Sunday morning. Game was tied one to one at halftime. Gonzaga scored two goals in a six-minute span, uh, one in the fiftieth, one in the fifty-sixth minute. One from Kate Doyle, one from Marissa Gonzalez. They hold on to beat Georgia three to one. It's their first win over an SEC opponent since 2012. This is the first time that Gonzaga and Georgia have ever played. And it's their first trip to the state of Georgia, period, in program history. So a great win. Even though Georgia is picked to finish in the bottom half of the SEC, it's still a road win over an SEC team, which is wildly impressive. So now they're going to head to Purdue, who plays in the Big Ten, and they're going to play them Thursday night at 4 p.m. Purdue uh, picked to finish in the bottom half of the Big Ten. But if Gonzaga can beat an SEC opponent and a Big Ten opponent on the road in the first week of the season, uh, that would be absolutely phenomenal for the Gonzaga women's soccer team. Like I said, hop on the train. These girls are legit. And then the last thing I want to mention here is that Jonathan Williams III has signed a contract to play in Italy this coming season. He played in Germany for the most part of last year. He played for the Sacramento Kings Uh, This past month in the NBA Summer League, but he is now playing with a team in Italy. Some other players on that team include Jordan Caroline, who went to Nevada, and Cameron Reynolds, who played at Tulane a few years back. Okay, that is going to do it for the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2015 Gonzaga Bulldogs, a very, very veteran-laden squad that finally brought the Zags back to the Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. And arguably, they were one missed layup away from potentially making their first Final Four. Before we talk about that team, I want to talk about sweat block. There are a few things in life that just aren't fun to discuss. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you're sweating through your shirt for no reason, it's embarrassing, right? I know this isn't life and death. And obviously, if you look out into the world, there are much worse problems going on right now. But let's be honest, in the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech or an interview or, God forbid, a first date. I'd much rather not worry about it, and now you don't have to. Introducing Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. They are doctor-recommended and doctor-created right here in the United States. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, you go to sleep, then the next morning you wake up, you wash, and you go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. If sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. I can testify myself that it keeps me dry and is one of the best deodorants that I have ever had. No more pitting out, no more picking shirts based on which one will hide the sweat best. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. All right, the 2015 Gonzaga Bulldogs. It's Kevin Pangos' senior year. It's Gary Bell's senior year. And they lose Sam Dower, and they lose David Stockton off that 2014 team. But they replace Sam Dower with a guy named Kyle Wilcher, who won a national championship at Kentucky, transfers in to Gonzaga, and becomes a superstar. They also bring in, at the last minute, a graduate transfer, Byron Wesley, who I feel like a lot of Gonzaga fans kind of forget about in the grad transfer history. I mean, he was one of the first uh, major impact grad transfers that Gonzaga's had. A pure slasher from the wing, something that Gonzaga really hadn't had in a few seasons. And then they bring in DeMontis Sabonis, the bonus himself. A freshman, DeMontis Sabonis, coming over from Lithuania, and he makes an impact right away off the bench. The other two freshmen that they brought in were Silas Melson and Josh Perkins, We've talked about those two guys before if you go back to our What If series, and I talk about what if Josh Perkins never breaks his jaw in his freshman season. If Gonzaga had Josh Perkins as a backup point guard this year and didn't have to burn Silas Melson's redshirt, I would argue that Gonzaga would have made the Final Four. I think having a legitimately decent backup guard behind Kevin Pangos, which is what Josh Perkins would have been uh, as a true freshman, having him would have been the difference, uh, I think, in Gonzaga making either an Elite Eight or Final Four because they were basically one basket away, as we'll discuss here in a second. So, the season starts off. Gonzaga ranked number 13 in the preseason poll. They move all the way up to number two by the 10th February rolls along. They win their first seven games of the season, including two wins in the NIT tip-off in Madison Square Garden where Josh Perkins does break his jaw because Kenny Gaines decides to kick him in the face for no reason. They beat Georgia, they beat St. John's, they win the NIT uh, Tip-Off Classic. And then they get their one of two losses all season, and it happens in Arizona. And this loss is significant because Gonzaga and Arizona were fighting all season long, essentially for the number two seed out west. And because Arizona beat Gonzaga, coupled with Gonzaga's loss later on in the season to BYU, that means Gonzaga ended up getting shipped off to Houston and had to play Duke in the uh, Elite Eight as opposed to playing Wisconsin. Of course, Gonzaga could have very easily lost to Wisconsin. Wisconsin went to the national championship. But still, being able to play in the West would have been a, a heck of a lot better than having to play in that gross, large football stadium that they played in in Texas. So Gonzaga loses that game in Arizona, 66-63. to 63. And if you remember the game itself, it was a, a fantastic game. Uh, at the end of regulation, Gonzaga had a chance to win it. There was a controversial no-call on Gonzaga's last possession where an Arizona player clearly went over the back on Demonta Sabonis trying to grab a rebound. Sabonis would have been able to go to the line with a chance to win it. Ball goes out of bounds with .9 seconds left after the no-call. Kyle Wilcher had a three in the corner that would have won it. Bounced off the rim. Arizona wins it in overtime by three points. That loss to Arizona was Gonzaga's final loss until senior night. They won 20 two straight games and that includes a win about a week later at ucla at poly pavilion this was not a great ucla team by any stretch but still a win at poly pavilion is huge and this game also still on youtube and i went back and watched it in its entirety about a week ago and this is one of the best offensive games i have ever seen from a gonzaga team ever and that includes this 2021 team. This this offensive performance by Gonzaga in this game was just a clinic. Like it was unbelievable how efficient they were, how crisp they were running everything. Uh UCLA had no chance of stopping them the entire game. They beat them 87 to 74. They shoot 59% from the field, 65% inside the arc, 47% from outside the arc. They're 9 for 19 from deep, 16 for 19 from the free throw line they put on an offensive clinic. And if you want to watch good basketball, I suggest going back and watching Gonzaga UCLA from December 13th, 2014. Byron Wesley finished the game with 20 points. Kyle Wiltshire had 24. Karnowski had 10. Sabonis had 10. Uh, I mean, it was just everybody on the court that night played fantastic. So Gonzaga wins that game, and they rip through the WCC. They start 17-0. Only two games were within single digits. But at the end of conference season, something just seems slightly off a little bit with their offense. They scored 56 against Pepperdine. Uh, They scored 59 at home against San Diego two days before playing BYU. And BYU comes in and they beat Gonzaga on senior night. Kyle Collinsworth, a triple-double machine back when he was playing for the Cougars. He put up 20 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals Tyler Hawes was actually cold for most of the night. It was Chase Fisher who hit three big threes for BYU. Gonzaga uh, had a shot from half court from Kyle Wilcher at the buzzer that hit off the rim. Gonzaga loses senior night, seventy-three to seventy, and not only did that cost them the two seed in the West, it could have cost them a number one seed overall in the NCAA tournament if they would have finished the year um, thirty-two or thirty-three and one. It would have been hard to deny them a number one seed. Instead, they lose a tough game at home to BYU, which hurts their RPI a little bit. Gonzaga wins the WCC tournament. They rip through everybody. They beat BYU in a rematch in that WCC championship. They put 91 points up on them, 91 to 75. Six different Gonzaga players scored in double figures in that championship game. Pangos, Bell, Wilcher, Karnowski, Dranginis, Sabonis, all in double figures for Gonzaga. So they enter the NCAA tournament, 32-2, and, and they get a number two seed in the South, which means, unfortunately, their number one seed is Duke, and they have to get shipped off to Texas if they make the uh, second weekend of the tournament. And they do make the second weekend of the tournament for the first time since 2009. They get back there. They beat North Dakota State, though that game was closer than it should have been. They beat them 86-76, to 76, and then they absolutely smack Iowa. In the second round, a team that a lot of people thought would give Gonzaga some problems. They did not. Kyle Wilcher, 10 for 12 from the field for 24 points. DeMontis Sabonis, 18 points and 9 rebounds off the bench. He was 6 for 10. That uh, that combination of Wilcher and Sabonis wasn't just lethal in 2015, but 2016 as well, as we'll talk about tomorrow. So Gonzaga gets back to the sweet 16 and they catch a little bit of a break in that they get to face UCLA, who was an 11 seed, much like the UCLA team in uh, this past tournament, 2021, that ripped their way through the play-in game as an 11 seed and all the way to the Final Four. This UCLA team in 2015 got a controversial call at the end of the first round against SMU to beat SMU, 60-59, to and then, the number three seed in their bracket, Iowa State, lost in the first round to Alabama-Birmingham, UAB. So the UCLA team got to face a 14 in the second round in UAB, and they beat them up pretty good. So Gonzaga, number two seed, gets to face an 11 seed in the Sweet 16, a team that they had already beaten at poly Pavilion early in the year by 13. They do it again. They beat them 74-62, to 62, and they get back to the Elite Eight for the first time since 1999. And their reward, Duke. This was not the prettiest basketball game, but it was competitive. Duke goes up by 10 midway through the first half, and a lot of people thought they would run away with the game. They did not. Gonzaga fought back by the end of the first half, made it a one-point game. Gonzaga goes on a 12 to 3 run to start the second half, and they go up 38 to 34 on top-seeded Duke with 16 and a half minutes to go. Duke then holds Gonzaga scoreless for about six minutes, ends up taking an eight-point lead, but then Gonzaga fights his way back, holds Duke without a field goal made for about eight minutes, fights their way back. It's a one-possession game with five minutes to go. Gonzaga has all of the momentum. They're on a 6 nothing run. They have a wide-open layup from Kyle Wilcher right under the basket with five minutes to play to tie the game, and Kyle Wilcher misses the layup. Duke comes back down. They hit two free throws. Gonzaga misses a couple jump shots. Justice Winslow hits a huge three-pointer that ends up being an absolute backbreaker. And Gonzaga goes on to lose the game 66-52 as they fall apart in the final few minutes and can't score offensively. I still think, to this day, one of the biggest what-ifs in an individual game is if Kyle Wiltshire makes that layup A, Duke's taking a timeout because Gonzaga is on a a run at that point. They can't get anything going. Duke takes a timeout. The game is tied. Gonzaga has all the momentum. And it's essentially a four and a half minute game from then on. And Gonzaga and Duke were playing even the entire way. Instead, they missed the layup. Duke gets two points immediately after that. And then they hit a three uh, about two possessions later. And that's the end of the game. When you're playing Duke, no matter what year it is, it seems like you have to play an absolutely perfect game to beat them. Case in point is the 2018-19 team that beat Duke and Maui. They had to play perfect for about 38 minutes to beat that Duke team. The other issue with this Duke game is that Kevin Pangos and the guards in general struggled mightily. Pangos held to four points on two of eight shooting. Gary Bell, five points on two of six shooting. Drank Guinness off the bench, had four points, and they didn't have another guard, another true point guard who can get his own shot and make plays. And that was the biggest issue with this roster after Josh Perkins went down is they just didn't have that backup point guard. So if Kevin Pangos was struggling like he was in this Duke game, they had to rely on Kyle Wilcher and Sabonis and Karnowski. And that just wasn't enough against a Duke team that you really just needed guards to play against. So Gonzaga finishes the year 35-3. It's the most wins in school history. It's the second time they've won 30 wins in the last three years. Uh, The 2013 team went 32 and 3. This 2015 team went 35 and 3. The only team that's ever won more games than 35 is the 2017 national championship team that won 37. And I still think to this day you can make an argument that the 2015 team is the third best in school history behind the two national championship teams. A lot of people would probably make the argument that the 2019 team is third best, uh, but I think that 2015 squad is right up there with the 2019 team. This team was elite offensively, solid enough defensively, and had um, just some insanely talented forwards and an elite shooter in Kevin Pangos and an elite defender in Gary Bell Jr. is one of my favorite teams in Gonzaga history. Kyle Wilcher finishes the season as their leading scorer with 16.8 points a game and 6.2 rebounds. Kevin Pangos finishes his career off his senior season, 11.6 points, 2.7 rebounds, 4.8 assists. He is the leading three-point shooter in school history. Shema Karnowski, just under 11 points and six rebounds a night. Byron Wesley, 10.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists. Gary Bell Jr. in his senior year, 8.5 points, 2.5 rebounds. And then freshman year, Demonta Sabonis, just under 10 points and seven rebounds a night. And you could tell every single night that he was on the court that he was going to be something special as a sophomore when the training wheels came off and they let him play 25 minutes a night, and that's exactly what happened. And we'll talk about that 2016 team tomorrow on the show. That is going to do it for today's Look Back. Coming up, we are talking about Nolan Hickman. He was very impressive in the Pro-Am exhibition, as we mentioned at the top of the show. But on Gonzaga's roster... He has a ton of competition fighting with him for minutes. Where does he fit in in all of that? We will discuss to finish today's episode. But first, today we are sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. If you're not sure which flavor you want, and I think they just finished up With a pistachio flavor that seems to be pretty popular, feel free to get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order at built.com. Today we're also sponsored by BetOnline. It is that time of year again and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start their season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest. Both open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL100. That's the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From basketball, football, boxing, to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. It's BetOnline online sportsbook experts use promo code LOCKEDON in NFL100. All right, I'm going to be honest here. When Nolan Hickman first committed to Gonzaga, I thought he was probably going to be the odd man out in the rotation. It's been a couple months now since that commitment, and now I believe that he might be the most likely candidate to play 15 or more minutes a night out of that guard group that's fighting for playing time. The biggest reason I think this is is because Mark Few loves playing multiple point guards together, and Nolan Hickman is the only other true point guard on this roster besides Andrew Nemhard. So to me, Nolan Hickman's path to playing time is to prove his reliability. If he shows right away that he is a high-level player in ball screens and he does not turn the ball over, he is going to play immediately. And based on what I've seen this summer from videos... His ball handling skills are wicked good. Last season, I want to talk about last season, Jalen Suggs, he brought a totally different level of explosiveness as a point guard, but he also turned the ball over 30 more times than anybody else on the team. Andrew Nemhard was the steadying force on that team next to him, and he led the team in assists, and he turned the ball over at a minuscule rate. His assist-to-turnover ratio is one of the best in the entire country last year. This year, obviously, Nemhard is back. And with Nolan Hickman, I see a ton of similarities to Andrew Nemhard. Both of them have excellent handles. Both of them have incredible court vision. And both seem extremely comfortable with mid-range pull-up jumpers. I don't think either of them are really ever going to be elite three-point shooters. But their ability to score and their ability to distribute inside the paint is incredibly high. The question with Hickman now is going to be turnovers. If he limits them, what you're looking at essentially is Andrew Nemhard and then an even quicker version of Andrew Nemhard. That's what I think Nolan Hickman can be. It's now up to him to prove it against Division I players consistently. And even more importantly, he's got to be the best guard in practices. And if he does that, he may end up being the first guard off the bench or perhaps even start right next to Andrew Nemhard. And maybe even the biggest thing to this whole puzzle, he could give Andrew Nemhard more rest during the season so he doesn't have to play 35 minutes every night and he can be fresh down the stretch of the season. I'm still not totally there on Hickman being a one and done type player, but I have come around on him potentially being the guy who plays the most minutes out of the Hickman, Salas, Harris guard trio fighting for minutes on the perimeter. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we will be back to look at the 2016 Gonzaga Bulldogs. We are almost done with our countdown, and we're almost done with August, which means September is right around the corner. Shemek Karnowski, he goes down to the season-ending back injury. Less than a month into this season, Gonzaga loses all of their important non-conference games, and it sets the stage for probably the most dramatic WCC tournament in school history. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Michaela Williams. She entered last season as a top 100 recruit for Gonzaga, but she received very very little playing time. What does her second year on campus have in store? We'll discuss that tomorrow on the show. Before we go today, if you're a baseball fan betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, rate subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.